Good morning, church. How are you guys today? So I have never written a sermon before, um, nor did I really think about the process. I just figured, you know, you kind of go along, God deposits some things into you, and then you figure it out as you go. Um, my friends and I, five by five, we have a podcast together, so we've kind of written some little something-somethings, but never uh, for me officially to present to people like you. And I never really understood Pastor Will when he said, uh, you know, that this message is for him. But in reality, this message is 100% for me. Like, I was like, I don't even know why I'm preaching this right now because I don't do half of these things. And um, But it's, it's funny the way that God works because he was able to deposit in me kind of what uh, he wants me to see and tell you guys and share you guys. And it's not about us having it all together, um, but kind of figuring it out along the way. So um, we're in the series Life Hacks, and I have um, Becoming a Doer. And what it's talking about is becoming a doer in faith. And I like this so much. And as I was writing this, I realized that doer kind of didn't really do it for me. So I added a subtitle called Take Action. So we need to take action in our faith. And um, we may feel like maybe we do take action in our faith. Or maybe we may feel like, what does that really mean? So my first question that I asked myself is like, okay, I wrote doer at the top. I wrote take action under. Now it's like, okay, now what? And it's like, I literally asked myself, what does faith mean to me? And to me, I answered that question um, by saying that faith was believing God is God regardless of the circumstance, which I was like, okay, I, I'm doing pretty good. Let's keep going. So I went to Google, and Google said, faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And I was like, okay, I was close. We're getting there. This is totally working. I'm here typing, smiling. I'm having a great time. And then I remembered that there was a definition for faith in the Bible. And that's in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it says, now faith is confidence in what and what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. So I was like, okay, that's a little deeper. You know, we're, we're getting somewhere. And in college, I took a class called MGF 1106. And really what that is is mathematics for liberal arts. Usually that's a class that someone of a psychology major would take, someone of a, I don't know, philosophy major, English major. I'm not any of those. So how did I end up there? And I'm gonna digress a little bit, but in college, I partied a lot. So when I was taking college algebra, I wouldn't show up, I wouldn't do my homework. If you guys know what my math lab is, it's terrible. You write the same answer two different ways and it's wrong, same answer. Anyway, so I didn't do it. Um, and then I was like, oh, I have a lot of time. You know, I don't graduate right now, up until it was the last semester of graduation. And then I'm like, I gotta take college algebra. So I was a broke college student, had to take college algebra for like the third or fourth time. And they were like, oh, this class alone, beside every other class you had to take to graduate, was like something crazy, something like $1,100. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not taking that class. So I did what any early 20-year-old would do sitting there in front of the counselor. I cried. I bawled. I'm not going to graduate. I'm such a failure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you guys know I can go on with the dramatics. So then after, you know, my tears and my boogies are all the same and, you know, this whole thing is going on inside the counselor office. She probably has other appointments after me. She was able to pull some strings into me taking MGF 1106. 
And I'm grateful for it because I actually learned and, you know, it kind of stayed in here. <laughs> when I was taking um, the, this special math course, um, I realized um, that it definitely applied to your life. I can see how it's used in English and in philosophy and in psychology. And something that I learned there was something called a conditional statement. And that's just a fancy word for a what-if statement. The main point about it is that there needs to be a hypothesis and there needs to be a conclusion. Okay, so some examples. If you get good grades, then you will get into a good college. Good grades, college. If you exercise and diet, then you will have a six-pack. If you prepare your meals, then you will save money. I wrote those last two for me. Um, and I realized that I felt like faith was a conditional statement. And you may be thinking, well, what do you mean by that? And in James 2, verse 17, it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And the way that my MGF brain translated this to was, if you have faith, then you will have action. So, faith equals action. So, faith at all is not sufficient, just me and myself believing God is God. There needs to be action behind my faith. There needs to be more than you just at home talking to God, God talking to you, which is great. But, you know, there needs to be more. It needs to be an outward expression. And to make me, well, kind of convince myself that what I was thinking was right, because, you know, I was smiling, typing, and all of a sudden, I'm not smiling so much. I'm like, what's going on here? Um, I read James 2.18, and it says, But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Uh, exactly. So what this is instructing us is that we really need to walk it like we talk it. There's so many times we get stuck on this Christian lingo, saying the same thing, you know, God will do it, won't he do it, you know, which all do have meaning, but we don't really get to go out there and do the actions of what we're saying. And so now we know what it takes to me to have faith. It means that we need to have action. So then I want to ask you, kind of do internal questions, answer it in your head, or maybe out loud, I don't mind. Um, of when was the last time you did a good deed? Something that was totally spare of the moment, random act of kindness, when was the last time you took that step to do what's not the norm? When was the last time you took that extra mile? And then I started thinking about that, about when I, the last time I did a random act of kindness. Like you guys know that I do the food pantry. But I do the food pantry not as a random act of kindness, more as like God told me to. And there's a difference because that's an assignment given to me, but what am I doing to express my faith outside of my assignment? Um, and, um, I'm kind of a giver anyway. I kind of like to do little gifts, whatever, whatever, you know, pair of socks here, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it, it really did challenge me. And then it made me think, why don't we do random acts of kindness? And as I was thinking about it, I realized that we don't do random acts of kindness because we overthink. 
Because you start off thinking like, okay, well, who am I going to do it to? Well, I don't have no money because this is my second time doing Financial Peace University. And, you know, I don't have no time because of my husband, my kids, the car, you know, the dogs. That's for me. Um, they take up all of my time, and they do. It's not easy. I'm not saying it is. But I'm saying that that's not good enough not to live out your faith. And if we really think about it, we don't really need to overthink it at all. That's, that's our first mistake, that we overthink it. Now, the first thing that we would need to do is to step up. And how do we step up? When we have to step up, what is the first thing that we need to do? Like, okay, you guys understood this whole thing. Faith equals action. I have faith. I don't really have action, so I got to fix something. So now what, Stephanie? What are you, what are you talking about? And to step up, I realized that we first need to find a recipient because it'll be so much easier to help someone when you know who to help than it would just you kind of like, okay, I have all these ideas that I want to do, but I don't know who to do it to. How do I pick someone? So, of course, I looked to Jesus and see who Jesus helped. So scrolling through the Gospels, I found blind people, uh, uh, lepers, paralytics, the hemorrhaging woman, kind of one of my faves, um, the resurrection, feeding the multitude, he healed a deaf and a mute man, uh, he did exorcisms and demon-possessed, he was able to cancel all that out. So Jesus didn't really have limits, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I want to do all those things that Jesus did like right now, but he didn't really have limits, Jesus was the boss, you know, he went around, he had no agenda, whether somebody was waiting for him or not, he didn't care, he helped people along the way. If you remember, Lazarus, they called him that Lazarus was dying. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. And then didn't show up till three days later. And that's why everybody was pissed at him. Um, and I feel like we've been told all throughout scripture who our audience is. And I was doing some research. And I just want to say thank God for the Bible app because you kind of can put what you're, yeah, what you're looking for. I don't know how people wrote messages back in the day, scrolling this way, scrolling that way, looking this way. Anyway, but... I found in Leviticus 19:18, it says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And I'm like, okay. I feel like something's a brew in here. And then we also have Matthew 19:19, 19, 19, that says, honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And then we have some more, Matthew 22, 36 to 39. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. The second like it is, love your neighbor as yourself. You guys catching my drift here? So that, that one's actually also found in Mark 12, 29 to 31, and Luke 10, 27. It's almost identical, so that's why I didn't do it. Anyway, there's more in Romans 13, 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet, and whatever other command there may be, everything else basically, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then finally, to bring it up home, oh, I'm sorry, there's one more. Galatians 5:14. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, to bring it all home, in James 2, 8, it says, If you really keep the loyal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin 
and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. I want you to hold on to verse number nine there. Um, and I want you to save that for later. But first, I want to tell you that we are so caught up in the who. When in reality, the who doesn't really matter because it's everyone. It's the drunk homeless guy outside. It's the gossiper at work that you avoid like the plague. It is that friend that calls you and you don't want to answer because she always has all these problems and you don't want to deal with it. No favoritism. I think it is so easy to help your close friends. And if we honest, we pick and choose who we do our good deeds to. There are certain people that you will do whatever to help them. And there are some people that might need your help a little more and you avoid because you feel like it's too much of a task or too much of a headache. And if we're honest, we all do it. I do it. My friends and I have this joke uh, that we say, well, it's not a joke, it's kind of real, um, that says that we have access to our savings account. Meaning if there's an emergency that's present, you know, we are willing to go that extra mile for each other and touch the savings, savings account. Y'all know you don't touch that savings account for nothing. You'd rather starve than touch a savings account. Um, and then I started thinking about who else would I do that for? And if I'm being truthful with you, no one. It's, and, and that's, that sucks. So I realized that our second point should be once we realize that we do have favoritism and that it's really not for our neighbor, we need to take a step back. And I realized that our actions cannot be conditional on how the person treats you. We cannot not give random acts of kindness or go the extra mile or take action in our faith because we feel like that person has never done anything for us. We don't do it to really satisfy that person. Of course, we want to help them and we want to be a helping hand, but we do it because God says so. God says that after loving him, that's the first thing we should do. And I feel like we don't, honestly, and that's not right because the root isn't the person, the root is God, and you do it for God and you do it to please God. And I feel like society has kind of done us a disservice um, because all around Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine, you always hear like, oh, I won't do something for someone because that person has never done anything for me. Or if I help them, then who's gonna help me? And that place, that's, that's never stated in the Bible. And the Bible kind of says the exact opposite. I don't ever see in the Bible where it says, put yourself first because no one will help you how you will help you. That, that's something that was adopted by society. That's something that came from who knows where it came from. And we mess out because I feel like sometimes we are set up for the perfect scenario, but then our brain kind of gets in the way, like I can't help them because I need help. You know, I can't be the helping hand because who's gonna help me? And I was thinking about a word that describes someone um, who puts others first or characteristics of someone that goes the extra mile. And as I'm searching, I'm here doing my research, me, my laptop, my phone, the iPad, we're all going ham, all at the same time. And I found a word that matched my description perfectly. And it was such a small word that I was just like, nah, there has to be something else. I gotta bring something else to the table. And I kept looking. I looked at synonyms, antonyms. I'm doing everything on this computer. Google was just like, yo, overdrive. And the word that I found that I kept was kindness. And yeah, it sounds elementary, but once you hear the definition of kindness, then you kind of start computing like, okay, we're going somewhere. 
And kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. I love this so much. And I felt like as I did more research, I wanted to add kind of like a slash after considerate. Um, and also put compassionate. Add that into the definition. Because if you think about it, someone who's kind is all of these things. So I want you to ask yourself, as I asked myself, when was the last time you were friendly? When was the last time you were generous? When was the last time you took into consideration someone else? And I had to pause right there because I realized that I, have, I am friendly, but I'm friendly with you guys because I like you guys. But in, honestly, when I'm at the grocery store or something, sometimes I don't want to talk to people. Sometimes I put on my AirPods, I act like I don't see you, I'm trying to do the self-checkout, don't ask me how my day is doing. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to go the extra mile for people. So then I started thinking, what is stopping us from being kind? And again, I had to pause because I'm like, I am really not the person to be preaching this right now. Like, this totally needs to be taught by someone else so I can sit down and receive this because I don't know what's happening. And Pastor Will always taught us that there's a root to everything. And you can act a certain way, which will be kind of like a side effect. But I want to know what is the root of your heart's condition? What is in your heart that's stopping you? And I think that we really do think that helping someone else advance means that we're at the bottom. If I help you get higher, that means I must be lower. And maybe it's instilled in us from my parents. Maybe we're mad at God because we feel like he doesn't go the extra mile for us. So why would I go the extra mile for him? Unless just as me and my crazy brain thinking these things. We cannot let the cruelty of the world make us cruel too. We know that the world is not heading in the direction we want to. My husband and I unfortunately watch the news every morning and they almost never say anything good. I have no idea why we continue to do it because sometimes even the traffic is outdated by the time we leave the house. But you realize that we're really going into shambles. And as much as it surprises us, it shouldn't because we know that's the direction we're heading. And sometimes I feel like we adopt lingo or mindset from the world. And we shouldn't. Because we can be in the world and not of it. So my sister on a podcast one time told us that if we are being influenced or are we influencers. And it's true. When it comes to being kind, are we not kind because people aren't kind to us? Can we change that? And I realized that, so I struggled at this point. You know, at this point, I kind of hit like a writer's block because I'm just kind of like feeling all these things and God is really pouring into me. And I just felt like, God, I'm not good enough. I don't live this example. I do not live out my faith. And God reassured me because God is so awesome that he doesn't care about my perfection. Perfection is not what he's seeking. seeking and sometimes that's what we feel like he is. In reality, he cared about me sacrificing my own desires to do his will. Because it's much easier to sit down there than to come up here and say this. And that was my last point for today, which is sacrifice. And 
when you think about sacrifice, you can go totally weird and like left and think like, you know, killing animals and blood and all these other sacrifices that they used to do. But because I gave definitions for everything else, the definition to sacrifice is to give up something that is valuable to you in order to help another person. And I love that because that's basically it. There's nothing more I can say to that. I can drop the mic, walk off. And if I can be honest, sacrifices are so hard. Sacrifices are not easy to do. And I don't think they're meant to be easy because usually it's the opposite of what we want to do. When was the last time we sacrificed ourselves for God's will? When was the last time we said no to our desires to say yes to him? When was the last time that we put others first, that we were friendly, generous, that we were kind? When was this last time we actually really lived our, our faith? And I think about all the times that I had a tough time and how much did I want to come across a doer? How much did I want to come across someone who went the extra mile for people? Someone who loved people regardless that they've never met me before. Someone who did a random act of kindness. I remember one time, this was in my broke college days again. Now those times were tough. And I was at McDonald's and I ordered a double, uh, no, not a double stack. It was a Mac double with a value fry, $2. And my card declined. How your car declined for $2 is totally the struggle. And the person behind me, he was an old man, and I think he was really frustrated of me trying to like to shuffle through my purse when I knew there was no more money in there, but I was shuffling through there anyway. And then, and then you know, you're kind of looking around, see who's around you, and he just paid for me. And whether he did it out of anger or not, he did a random act of kindness. He fed me for that day because I was going to walk out of McDonald's and figure it out. And if you've ever been to... Miami-Dade College and the Wolfson campus. There's a McDonald's right there, and that's always packed. He saved me from embarrassment, even if his motives were different. It didn't matter to me because he, he changed my afternoon by paying for my lunch. And I believe that the verse that says that God loves a cheer for a giver is not limited to monetary at all. I think that we take that verse, we apply it to money. I ain't got no money. Therefore, I can't do this. But I think God loves a person who gives their time, who gives their efforts, who gives their hearts. God loves people who sacrifice. So when they look at us, they can see Jesus through our actions because we can live out our faith, because we're willing to sacrifice, because we're willing to go the extra mile. And the last question before I close is, are you willing to start being kind to your neighbor? Are you willing to really apply this to your life and really take this on and see whether or not you can be kind to someone if you're really intentional about it? The answers that you've given yourself, they don't define who you are. That doesn't mean that because you don't do these things now that you can't learn to do these things. And I challenge you to really live out your faith. More than anything, I want you to really stick back to the last question, to what is the root of your heart's condition? I want to know if there is something that you need to give up to God to be able to free you to freely do things for other people. That This is the place to do that. Yeah. I believe that sometimes we carry things that we don't need to carry. 
I believe that sometimes we don't love others because we feel like we are not able to be loved. And I want uh, today, as the worship team plays, that we can really live out our faith, that we can really go the extra mile, that we can surrender all things to God, and that together we can learn to be kind and really give.